The Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today podcast is brought to you in part by Columbia Academy, Jones & Lang Sporting Goods, Andy Wilhoyt with United Country Realty, the law office of David A. Bates, Custom Stone Handlers, Covenant Technology, Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats, and Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Their trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact them today at 931-381-2663 or visit mtbj.net. Today with TSWA Hall of Famer Maurice Patton. Here's Chris Yow. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Chris Yow, Mo Patton, Coach Mike on the controls, coming to you live from Columbia, Tennessee. Welcome into our friends down in Franklin County on WZYX, the Eagle. Five minutes past the hour here. If you missed any part of the first hour, which covers exclusively high school sports, you are more than welcome to go. Encouraged, even. Check it out. Yeah. You can download the podcast or you can watch it on Facebook Live, Southern Middle Tennessee Sports, or you can watch it on our Twitter right now, which is pretty cool, at SM underscore TN Sports. So, and all of the stuff that we talk about, well, not all, but virtually all of the things we talk about in that first hour are available in written format on sm-tnsports.com. So there's, if you want to find the information, we want to give it to you. So is that what we call a shameless plug that? Well, it's not shameless. (laughs) It's a good one though. It's It's, oh, it it, it is shameless. We have no shame. It's, it's so shameless that, uh, Billy Joel and Garth Brooks are shameless. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we are so excited to have with us on the telephone today on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline, Jacksonville State Athletics Director, Waynesboro native, former NCAA Men's Final Four Media Coordinator team member, FCS championship selection committee for the playoffs, Mr. Greg Seitz. Greg, what's going on? Thanks for joining us. Man, uh, uh, that's quite the introduction. I appreciate that, Chris. <laughs> I tell you, you're a true Gamecock fan there. And, uh, I'm a Greg Seitz fan. That's what I am. Well, thanks so much. I'm a, I'm a Bo Patton and Chris Yow fan. I can tell you that for sure. Well, we appreciate that. I, I, I too, am a member of the Greg Seitz fan club and have been for quite some time but um greg um kind of mixed emotions here congratulations to your your gamecock football program as they head out the door of the ohio valley conference with 
yet another championship um, as a MTSU grad when they were in the OVC. I, I kind of have a bit of an affinity for that league and, and hate to see you guys leave on one hand anyway. On another, it's probably going to allow for some, for some different folks to win some championships. <laughs> but um, you guys are headed to the playoffs, and, and it's going to look a little different this time. Yeah, it really is. You know, obviously, you know, none of us envisioned, you know, 14 months ago that we'd be playing football in the spring of 2021. But, uh, you know, we're certainly very excited about the opportunity. And, um, you know, people in, in the South and certainly in the state of Alabama, they love football regardless of what time of year it is. Football anytime. I, I've, I've long been on the FCS should play in the spring bandwagon, but that's another story for another day. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Trying to get some TV yeah, dollars, I mean, Greg. Trying to get some TV dollars, okay? Yeah, I, I hear you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, uh, you, know, and, and the, you know, there are some advantages in the spring. You don't have to, you know, you don't go up against the NFL and stuff. But, but honestly, Chris, the biggest thing is, you know, schools like us, we need those guarantee games. And we all know those FBS teams aren't going to be playing in the spring. So I think that'd be the biggest hurdle for us to, you know, if, if there was ever a move to try and move FCS to the spring, I think I, that's. I have a solution that for that, too. You played. Oh, okay, you, you played four games this fall. You can play two next year as part of your yeah. spring practice, right? So, like you take you yeah. you have your you have your fall practice. You play two games, and then you play your conference in the, in, in the spring. I, I I see this as a win win for everyone. Yeah. No, you make a you make a valid point there. We just see, you know see how it goes from there. So. <laughs> I'll I'll call I'll call up the NCAA. Mark Emmert has. I'll, I'll get his phone number. We'll we'll, we'll make this happen. Next I don't week. think Mark Emmert is who you want to call. <laughs> he's not the guy. Yeah. No, no, he, he's not. Uh, but you you've got you've got questions. Chris has answers. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how high this is on Mark Emmert's list of to do things right now. Right. <laughs> I think he's still reeling from the whole basketball postseason at this point. But um, we're speaking on the um, Parks Motor Sales Hotline with Jacksonville State Athletics Director Greg Seitz. Um, Greg, you spoke to, you know, the whole spring football concept and that kind of thing. You guys are now in the postseason. That's a 16-team playoff, which is a reduction. Is that right? It is. Normally, uh, well, you know, we have 24 teams in the playoffs when they're in the fall, but due to – there was roughly around 30 FCS schools that opted out for playing in the spring. And, you know, the Ivy League certainly was the first first league to, to get out of, of playing in the spring. And then you guys probably saw it and followed as you were following FCS football in the spring. Uh, you know, the Colonial had a lot of issues as well. Uh, some games were getting canceled. And so especially there, the last two to three weeks, more more schools decided to opt out. Uh, and I think that total ended up getting close to 40 schools. So we have 127 in our subdivision. So when they took 40 out, um, you know, that, that that's one of the reasons they reduced the, the bracket from 24 to 16. So, uh, But, you know, we're excited to continue to be one of those 16 teams that are still playing. So. Yeah, got a top four seed in the playoffs. Uh, kind of wanted to go. Uh, one of the reasons that we had that we wanted to have you on is because you were uh, a former chair of the selection committee, 
And that process, how does how does that process work from from kind of the beginning? I mean, do you, you guys obviously have some auto bids, but finding those at large bids and and piecing together a playoff system it has got to be tough. Yeah, you know it, it is. So, uh, I, and I'm going to talk just on the normal 24 sure. bra- uh, team bracket. You guys don't mind. So, so in the FCS football, we have 10 conferences that get an automatic qualifier, which normally leaves us 14 at large bursts uh, to do it. So, as we transition this year to the spring, we we still had the 10 AQs, but the at larges was reduced to 16. So, um, you know that that's uh, that's the difference. And you know it's it's pretty easy, just like it always is. Is you know those at large, you know those first 10, 11, they they jump out pretty pretty quick on you. You know, it's those last two to three teams, what separates them from an, from another team. So what the committee does is once they get in the room and start looking at that, we we, we call it scrubbing the resume. So they'll, we'll put both resumes up on the screen and, and take a look at it. And, you know, if they both have similar records, then we kind of look, okay, do they have a common opponent? And did one of those teams maybe uh, have a win against that common opponent and the other one did not? Certainly, head to head is always kind of our first um, first thing we would always take a look at. So, you know, if we're looking at Jacksonville State, Murray State as two teams we're comparing, but Jacksonville State beat them head to head. That's certainly going to have, uh, you know, going to carry a lot of weight in the room. And fortunately for us this year, we had an FBS win. Actually, the only FBS win uh, by the FCS this year. So, honestly, that carries about in the committee's eyes, you know, 85 scholarships compared to 63. So an FBS win, certainly it's honestly like having an extra, uh, it's really like having two uh, bonus uh, FCS wins. So that, that always carries a lot of weight. And uh, I think that's the reason that we ended up with the number four seed was by finishing nine and two and uh, leading Florida state there at halftime and, and being very competitive with them in the first game of the year. And then getting that FBS win over Florida international to close out the fall. Yeah, I, and despite the the home loss to Austin P, which uh, solidified that I'll never be in attendance at another Jacksonville State football game because <laughs> the last two that I've been to, we have not played well. So I'm pretty well going to watch on television from now on. Um, <laughs> that none, nonetheless, still getting that top four seed when you're when you're looking at now there weren't ten AQs in this one, were there? Did did the CAA and the the Ivy League, do they typically get AQs? Well, so the Ivy League does not participate in the playoffs. Gotcha, okay. So they are not. But uh, there was actually 11. Okay. The MEAC, the, MEAC, the MEAC and the SWAC typically play in, in what they call the celebration bow. But right. um, this year there wasn't going to be a celebration bow in the spring, so they had and they had been approved for one, but they did not meet the minimum number of games. They had a lot. You know, the Northeast was a little different than we were in the South from the pandemic standpoint. And unfortunately, they didn't get to play. They only had three teams competing in the MEAC this year, and they didn't get an opportunity to play to play the full round-robin schedule that was required. So they had to end up opting out. Um, so we did have 10 AQs this year with six okay. at large. Now, Wow. You know, certainly the Missouri Valley had a strong year, and they got four of those six at-large teams. And then yeah. the other one, one went to the Big Sky and one to the Colonial this year. It's it's odd not seeing a number next to North Dakota State. Mm. Yeah, but I can tell you the rest <laughs> of the FCS is happy about that. No kidding. That. Not, but but are they, though? Because, I mean, even as an unseeded team, they're still dangerous, and, and they've got one of the – 
Yeah, but they got to travel. Obviously, one of the top quarterbacks in the country. At, well, Trey Lance doesn't play. Is he not playing? No, he doesn't play in the spring, uh, which is yeah. one reason that they've not been very good this year on, on a North Dakota state level. They also have to travel to Eastern Washington. They don't get to play in the Fargo Dome, which is going to be another – hurdle for them to overcome in the playoffs. But that's another hurdle to spring football, as you and I have discussed. Yes. I mean, because the reason Trey Lance isn't playing is because he's getting himself ready for the NFL draft and and going to the next level. And, you know, explaining that to your teammates and that kind of thing, hi, dudes, I'm out. That's the biggest that, hurdle mm-hmm. to me. But, hey, I don't know. Greg, any thoughts on my mini rant there? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're, yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, we'd have to look and see if the NFL could certainly move that, you know, the the draft and date back. But, I mean, North Dakota State is certainly not the same team they were in the fall when, you know, Trey's, you know. But, I mean, you can't blame him, right? He's going to be, what, the top five round draft pick. And But I'll tell you guys, when you look at that bottom half of the bracket, I'm thankful we're in the top half because that North Dakota State-Eastern Washington, that's a semifinal matchup. Mm-hmm. And then if they win it, then they got to play. They got to go to Sam Houston, who I mean, they've had an outstanding spring this year, and you know, tra- traditional power as well. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, that bottom half of the bracket, I, I love our draw with uh, Davidson uh, out of the Pioneer League, and then we get to play Delaware, which would be a home game for us as well uh, out of the Colonial. You know, and they, and you know, I know some of the James Madison folks aren't happy they weren't the AQ. Uh, and that was on a vote by their athletic directors. Delaware is a really, really good team, though, and they, you know, they ended up getting the AQ out of the colonial this year. So if we can find a way out of that, then we're in the semifinals against South Dakota state. And hey, you never know when you get into those games, right? Yeah. You know, the, I don't know much about Southern Illinois or, or, or Weber state, but I know that South Dakota state has a, is probably going to end up in the semifinals. I'm glad to be on the left side of this bracket, though, because, like you said, the other side includes North Dakota State, Eastern Washington, Sam Houston, and James Madison. That is a loaded bracket. Loaded. And Missouri State. Yeah. Who is also very good, by the way. Yeah, well, I think everybody knows their coach, right? Bobby Petrino. Yeah. So, I mean, he's done a great job of getting them back. This this is going to be a lot of fun in uh in in the FCS as the playoffs continue. Do you think this this 16 team spring playoff could bring some some needed exposure to the FCS and the level of football that it plays? Oh, yeah, I mean I, I honestly uh, uh, I agree 100 percent with that. You know, our semifinals—you guys may not be aware—but our both our semifinal games are going to be on May the 8th and broadcast on ESPN two. Mm-hmm. But um, our our championship game is going to be on the ABC network. So you know, wow. certainly if you can get uh, on one of the major, you know, over the air networks like like an ABC, you're automatically going to increase your viewership and and have the opportunity there just to get in front of a lot of people who may not. Uh, I know it's hard to believe that on this show, I'm sure everybody gets access to ESPN, but um, but just have the opportunity to play on the, over the air like ABC in the championship game is really huge for our subdivision because we just don't get many opportunities to, to play in front of that large of an audience. Now we're, we have on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline, Jacksonville State Athletics Director and Waynesboro native Greg Seitz. Greg, spinning ahead just a little bit. Um you guys, as I said, are, are going out of the Ohio Valley Conference and stepping into the league that prefers to be referred to as the A-Sun 
conference. Um, for some reason, they don't like Atlantic. But at any rate, Central Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> that, no, okay. All right. Point. What? Point taken. <laughs> anyway, um, right now the A Sun doesn't have football. Is that right? As of this moment, next year will be yeah, their first that, year that, as a league. It will, yeah. And honestly, that's that's what was so attractive, Mo, for for us to to we had the opportunity to build this conference up from the ground, right? I mean, since they they were one of the few. Uh, FCS conferences out there that did not have football, and I'm, I'm just going to be honest and straight up. We wanted to build the premier and best. We want to be better than the Missouri Valley or the Colonial from a football standpoint, and so we have five schools that are the founding members of that with Kennesaw State, Central Arkansas, Jacksonville State, who are parental top 15 teams year in and year out. Then we've got North Alabama and Eastern Kentucky, who both have won national championships in the past, uh, and of course, North Alabama is transitioning as well, but uh, and then, you know, we want to we're going to add two to three more other schools, you know, within the coming um, you know months to a year to get our seven to eight schools that will be a sun football. And the school we've had some great discussions with with some of these other schools. And once this whole thing shakes out, we, we feel like that we are going to be, um, you know, we're going to be right there with the Missouri Valley every year and, and get three bids in every year at least two to three bids in every year. And it's it's really going to be a, a force to reckon with, we hope, in the FCS football. We want to be the SEC of the FCS, to be honest. I guess you don't want to tell us who any of those schools are that you were talking to. <laughs> no, I, I wish I could. But, you know, it'd be great if we're able to, to, to announce those. Break some uh, pretty soon. Uh, I'd but, love to break know, some news. We're always about breaking some <laughs> news here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, if possible. But the point that I was getting to is – the A-Sun Conference, because Central Arkansas, won't have an AQ in the fall. Is that right? Well, actually, we will. So so we, we, we applied for and uh, will be approved for an automatic qualifier. This year, Mo's going to be just a little different. If you remember, there was four teams that were uh, that moved or transitioning out of the Southland to go to uh, the WAC. So we partnered with those four schools, and then it's going to be Central Arkansas, Eastern Kentucky, Jacksonville State. Uh, and so they're, we're all going to play under the A-Sun umbrella for one year. And then Kennesaw North Isle is going to stay in the Big South for the fall of 21, just because this thing came together so fast from a scheduling standpoint. But then in the fall of 22, Kennesaw North Isle will transition to us. Those four other uh, Southland schools, WAC, will, will go to the WAC. And so we will have an AQ actually in the fall under the A-Sun's name, which was very important to us. Um, you know, and then as we look to add those other two to three additional schools, you've got to have six football playing schools to qualify for an mm-hmm. AQ. And so we're, uh, we're, 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 we're not going to have a problem meeting, meeting that threshold. And uh, so this, this fall we'll have an A-Sun champion that will get uh, an AQ. So instead of, so now there'll be 11 AQs instead of 10. Who are those four Southland programs that are going to play with y'all? Sam, it's a great schedule, but it's it's Stephen F. Austin, Sam Houston, Lamar, and Abilene Christian. Goodness you, gracious! You need you need none of those to win the AQ, right? Oof. Because you don't That's want right. your, you yeah. don't want your first A Sun AQ to be a white not team. be an AQ an, an A Sun team. Yeah, that's exactly right. Probably just like the OVC didn't want Jacksonville State mm. to be the HQ this year, right? Oh, so, I, I feel quite yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, you make a, you make a great point on that. Well, so, Sam yeah, Houston, no Sam Houston will certainly have something to say about that. Oh, I can question. certainly tell you, man. Oh, yeah. Greg, thanks so much for hanging out with us today and giving us some insight on uh, how the FCS playoffs kind of get selected and. Uh, everything else going on in, in your world. We appreciate your time as always. And we thank you for the quick turnaround uh, as we were able to secure yeah. you last night. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No problem. I am happy to. And, uh, you know, Chris, to your point, you need to watch on the ESPN plus or three Saturday. Do not come yes. in, in person if we've been playing bad. So. I will certainly so not be in. <laughs> Burgess Snow will not have me in it in, in in a very long time. I can I can assure you, I will not be in Burgess Snow for the for the foreseeable future, at least for the next uh, hope. I guess two games because uh, yeah, exactly semi right. semifinals yeah. and finals will be elsewhere. Are the finals in Frisco? They will be. Yeah, it'll okay. be at Frisco on May the sixteenth, which is a Sunday. So it'll be at two o'clock on uh, on ABC Television as yeah. well. That's going to be awesome. Well, again, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. We will talk to you very soon. That sounds great. And uh, you guys have a great weekend. And thanks again for allowing me to come on. Hey, thank you for coming on, Greg. We appreciate it. Stay cocky, fear the beat, go Jack State, all those things. Greg Seitz on the Parks Motor Sales Hotline here on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Atlanta Braves and a fantastic performance a New York native, Ian Anderson. All that and more when we return. This is Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Stick around. When we're out covering sports in and around Murray County, communication between Maurice and I is absolutely vital to our success. When your business needs top-notch communication and local service, Covenant Technology is there, and they are dedicated to helping your business succeed by ensuring open lines of communication to your clients and customers. Contact them today at 615-846-9898 or visit covenanttechnology.net. Hey folks, while we take a quick break from the show, I want to tell you about our friends over at Custom Stone Handlers in downtown Columbia. Ned Rich and his team at Custom Stone Handlers believe in leadership. And outside of the military, our greatest leader building platform is sports. Custom Stone Handlers proudly encourages young people to get in the game you can contact them today at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. It's Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Once again, with Mo, here's Chris. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Um, glad you guys are with us here on WKOM, WZYX, and everyone else on Facebook and Twitter and on the podcast if you're listening later. One to uh, before we get into the Braves, I was perusing Twitter as I'm wont to do, mm-hmm. and <laughs> last night there was an. Do you, so you guys know there's an iRacing like series on like 
Wednesday nights, the night before a race, right? So they, they, they race online. Last night, you guys know Kevin Harvick? I'm familiar with the name. Yeah. So Keelan Harvick, his son, raced in the iRacing League. Keelan is eight. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I knew. I didn't. Obviously, I didn't watch it because I'm just not going to watch iRacing. But <laughs> I would love to know how that turned out because, like, when I was eight, I turned my car around and went the wrong way, taking out folks. <laughs> like that that was that was what I did when I was playing NASCAR at eight years old. I turned my car go the wrong way and just start <laughs> just taking folks out. How many people can I get? Demolition Derby. Huh? Yeah, I mean that was my plan. I it didn't work out. I don't know. But uh I just thought it was interesting. An eight year old in uh in iRacing racing last night, driving the Hunt Brothers pizza car. You got and, a sponsor? Uh, I'm sure it's his dad's car. I assume. <laughs> okay. All right. I just thought it was funny. But anyway, let's uh let's talk about the Atlanta Braves. Let's do. Because they are available if you can't see them. If you have YouTube TV or Hulu or any other kind of streaming service where you cannot watch the Braves, you can listen to them on our sister station, WKRM 1037, right here in Columbia. And for those of you who are looking for a way to reach Columbia market through Braves baseball. Give Coach Dickinson a call. He can set you up with an advertising package that's just for you. Um, the the Braves needed to get a win to get a a, a road trip uh, win, so they ended up three and two. Ian Anderson goes in against Corey Kluber, a guy who has been a huge name and great pitcher for the last several years. Uh, first with first made his name with the Cleveland Indians. Um, but Ian Anderson goes in and just outduels him. Well, this is not your older brother's Corey Kluber. Uh, and he's had, um, he's dealt with some injuries here over the last little bit. Um, lost a little bit off his fastball, literally. And, um, it's just trying to kind of build back up and figure out how to pitch without the velocity that he had thrown with earlier in his career, which, you know, is something that a lot of pitchers deal with at some point in their career. Um, and threw well for the most part last night, but some walks kind of hampered his performance. And as you said, Ian Anderson didn't have those issues. Went six and two-thirds, which was the longest any Brave starter has gone to this point this season. And the youngster getting it done, like you said, in front of the home folks, a New York native. His grandmother was there, which the Fox Sports South broadcast crew. I'm sorry, the who? Her, I'm sorry, the, the Valley Sports <laughs> South. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's available on Fox Sports Go. It is available on Fox Sports Go. The Valley Sports South broadcast crew had a lot of fun with um, the the fact that Ian's grandmama was was in attendance for, for his performance last night. Big win for the Braves. It really was, especially when you consider that the 
top four hitters did not have a single hit in the game for the Atlanta Braves. Um, <laughs> yeah, only f- four runs on four hits as uh, Ozzy Albies, Pablo Sandoval, and Austin Riley had a pair. Those were the three people who got hits in the game. Now, they did have um, – I know Azuna drew a bases loaded walk. He had two RBIs yeah, on an 0 for on 4 over, Yeah, had a bases loaded walk. I think he drove in a run on a fielder's choice. So, you know. Yes. Yeah, they had some productive outs, obviously. Guillermo Heredia. I can't say Adrian's his first name. Uh, Freeman and Ozuna. Between, between Austin Riley – Heredia, Adrianza, Freeman, and Ozuna, which is eight, nine, one, two, three. They walked eight times. So that'll drive Austin, a pitching coach and manager nuts. Austin Riley, <laughs> who, by the way, must be reading Twitter. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. this kid. Uh, yeah, I think he might have seen some of the comments about this guy needs to go to the alternate training site. You know, hey, We need to send this kid to Mississippi or something. Next thing you know, he's two for, he's two, for two, draws two walks, scores three runs, and hits a ninth-inning home run for a little insurance. A ninth-inning home run that would not have been a home run in any, any other, other stadium sure. in Major League Baseball. Well, there are a few others, but that one particularly was just – Well, I mean, if if Chip Carey and Jeff Rancourt know what they're talking about, and that's always questionable. <laughs> but they said that that 361-foot home run would not have been out of any other park. And when they said 361, I thought, wow. I mean, I've been to some high school fields that that wouldn't yeah. have gotten out of. Yeah, I, well – But it yes. got out of Yankee Stadium, which is which the, is all the, which is that, where they were playing. That, that's yeah. right. <laughs> you know? That's all that matters. Um, but you know, I saw. I, I want and I want to go back to this because uh, Dob had a had a tweet that I thought was kind of important in this situation before the home run. As a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Um, see if I can get to I believe that he had mentioned that in the last 16 or 18 at bats that Austin Riley was a much better hitter than he had been to that point um oh no it was Grant McCauley in his last 18 plate appearances he's five for 10 a home run five walks two hit by pitches one sack fly and zero strikeouts in 18 plate appearances. There you go. So clearly this kid is reading Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Putting in some extra work with Kevin Seitzer. Never a bad thing. Him or Chipper or somebody, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care who you're talking to. Somebody. They've they've got some guys that should be able to get you right if you're a hitter. Yeah. Uh, So Maybe Dansby needs to talk to (sighs) – you know what's crazy? In 2019, Dansby and Chipper worked a lot in the offseason, worked a lot in um, in spring training, and that, that slider on the outside half, 
he was going to right center field with that, which has got to be the approach for him. And then he hurt something, kind of got away from that, hasn't gotten back to it. But he also focused so much on hitting the slider that now he's off on fastballs. And I guess I understand that because once people realize he couldn't hit a slider, that's all they threw him. But now he, now, now he can't yeah. now he can't hit a fastball or a slider because of whatever injury it was that has kept him from being able to really stretch out and hit that hit and take it the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, just unfortunate. But whatever. But the thing is, again, they got four hits and a win, and you feel like this offense. These offensive players are too good to continue at this production level for an extended period of time. At some point, things are going to turn up, probably starting tomorrow night when Ronald Acuna Jr. gets back in the lineup. Yeah, the the only person with an RBI and a hit last night was Riley's home run. That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> That was the last night was just a weird game. The number eight hitter. I'll take it. Well, not just that, but literally the other three RBIs were Ozuna's two, who hit mm-hmm. into a fielder's choice and walked in a run. And then Adrianza uh, had an RBI and went 0 for 2. So it's just weird. But Ian Anderson, six six point two, four hits, four strikeouts, four walks. Uh, AJ Minter. Goes one and a third, gives up a and walk that one and third was a huge one because yeah. he came in in the seventh behind Anderson, correct, and shut the door on three pitches, maybe it may have been, yeah. So and then the Will Smith experience, which is considerably worse than the Luke Jackson experience because Will gives up runs. He does the exact same thing except he gives up runs, which, as we've said, Luke Jackson has not done to this point in the season. And who'd have thunk? It may be the most dramatic and worst no-run inning of your life as a fan. But it's still no runs. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> bottom a, line. It, yeah, yeah. it's it's a zero-sum type situation. I mean, he didn't give up any runs, so he must be doing well. And it's yeah. like I told you, I mean, when I sent you the picture of, of Luke Jackson and Will Smith, and I said they're the same picture. <laughs> Yeah, they really are. Yeah. I mean, and so now we're still wondering who the closer is on this team. Who is this team's closer? Is Sign Shane Green a hashtag yet? I think it was before the season started, and now I don't know what you. I don't know who the closer is on this team. Is it closer? I, I don't. Committee? I don't is think it, Brian Snitker knows either. I, I will say I don't know that Chris Martin is next necessarily a candidate to close, but the fact that he is not available probably does not help things either. Yeah, you know, once Chris gets back and we and we have that that guy you know can get a a shutdown setup inning, I think that's going to take a lot of pressure off these guys. Uh, but boy, going in going into this series with the D backs. Um, it's it's so important for the Braves to get the get these wins against the teams they have to beat mm-hmm. and should beat because the NL East is just so good. And 
you can't afford to not win games you're supposed to win. Yeah. You know, the the D-backs coming in here 8 and 10 as well as the Braves are um and the Cubs are just the Cubs. So, you know, you got three against the Diamondbacks on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, followed by a four-game series Monday through Thursday against the Cubs. And honestly, I feel like four and three in this series would be a disappointment. No, you you got to win at least five, should win six. I didn't want to get greedy, but I'm yeah, just, at least uh, certainly five. I think. I mean, I could, I could, I think I could live with a loss to each, each of them. Team. Yeah. yeah, but I think you got to win both series. I think you oh, can, you can have one loss to the Diamondbacks and one loss to the Cubs. Yeah, and I think you would call that a successful homestand. I, I think if so. it plays out like that, before you go to Dunedin. To face the Blue Jays. I was like, I don't know. Who, who is HSM? That's WSH upside down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yes, going to Toronto. <laughs> Sorry, that's what it looked like. Why? Who is HSM? I don't understand. who. Why are we playing them? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Turn off my mic. <laughs> Trips to Canada right now aren't fun anyway. Uh, oh, wait, they're not playing in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> they play uh, in Florida. Okay, so here's a question. When the Toronto Blue Jays play home games in Dunedin, Florida, do they play the Canadian National Anthem? I hope so. <laughs> I, I hope that they do, just because that would be hilarious. Mm. HSM. HSM. We got to take a break. Yeah, we do. (laughs) Before, we're going to give Mo time to wipe his eyes from crying so much. Oh, man. We're going to talk Preds when we come back and their debacle uh, Mm. last night. So we'll be right back on Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Day, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Stick around. If you've listened to this show, you know Chris and I are always down for a good meal. Recently, we learned about Patio West in Spring Hill and what a pleasure it has been. Their menu is full of seafood, burgers, and more, giving every member of your family something to enjoy. Be sure to go by Patio West Coastal and Comfort Eats located at 3011 Longford Drive in Spring Hill or visit patiowest.com and tell them the guys at Southern Middle Tennessee Sports sent you. It's Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today. Once again, with Mo, here's Chris. Welcome back into Southern Middle Tennessee Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. 13 minutes to the top of the hour as we take you through this Thursday edition of the show. So glad you could join us here and before we get to the Preds, uh, since I clearly 
had Mo <laughs> flustered. Braves history. So let's do this damn Braves history. Uh, before we get to that, uh, again, the Braves will open a seven-game homestand tomorrow against the Diamondbacks. Uh, that game starts at 6.20 on our sister station, 103.7, um, pregame at 5.05. Yes. Um, Waskar Wainoa, Enoa, Enoa gets the start for the Braves. Um, not sure if the Diamondback starter has been named yet, but again, that's tomorrow on our sister station, WKRM FM. This day in Braves history, presented by me. <laughs> on, For now. Uh, on April 22nd, 2008, striking out national second baseman Felipe Lopez on his signature split-finger fastball, John Smoltz became the 16th pitcher in big league history to achieve 3,000 career strikeouts. It's pretty much the lone highlight as the Braves lost to the Nats 6 nothing at Turner Field. That was his 45th. 10 strikeout performance over a 20 year career. So, and the fact that he got to 3,000 and spent so much time as a closer is insane. His career was really insane, period. I mean, he and Dennis Eckersley are really the only two guys that you've really seen spend as much time both as a starter and as a reliever slash closer as they both did. And Smoltz went starter. Closer, starter. So, it's pretty impressive. And it led him to Cooperstown. So, Well, yeah, I mean, there's that. Um, this day in Braves history, 12 years ago, uh, Chris Yao thinks that if uh, Yunel Escobar doesn't get a hit, he should be sent to the minors. And he check swung on a 0-2 pitch 500 feet outside, according to Chris Yao's Facebook memories. <laughs> But the Braves did win over the Nationals uh, to avoid a sweep in that series. So I was reading that earlier, and I was like, you know, Escobar, good God. Not surprised he struck out. He probably did get sent down at some point after that. That guy. Man, anyway. That's a blast from the past. Yeah, okay. Right? So I, it's just, oh, yeah, 12 years ago. Wow. Oh, man. So last night, speaking of mm. just disappointments, yeah, no doubt, uh, the Nashville Predators take a 3-1 lead into the third period. And then score again. Scored again, making mm-hmm. 4-1. Frosties. And we're getting Frosties, and we're all pumped up, and some local radio personalities declared the game to be over on Twitter. And so apparently, the, does the name Jared Stillman mean anything to you? <laughs> so uh, apparently, the Predators' bench was uh, made aware of the tweet and thought the game was in fact over. <laughs> and they, for, they forgot the third period. <laughs> uh, they, they, after that score, they were like, "Hey, we won. Let's go home." Uh, because the defense certainly didn't come back out at all. Uh, um. Give up three goals, and and when I say give up three goals, I mean they were they were dunks. I mean just and they were quick. You can't be mad at UC. No, I mean nine forty seven they score eight forty. No, I'm sorry, nine fifty two eight forty seven. So within a minute and five seconds they'd scored two goals. I think it was in two fifty one that they scored three, and then they got the last one with I think it was like seven, seven yeah seven thirty 
or so uh, to tie it up, go to OT, and at that point, you're on your heels. Yep. They've got all the momentum. and Sure enough. Sure enough. The only positive is, outside of the Frosties, um, <laughs> is the, the Preds get a point for taking it to OT. So I guess that's a that, that's the lone positive here that But how positive is it when you should have gotten two? Well, it, it at least means that even if you lose, you're still in fourth place. If you lose Friday, you're still the fourth place team because you will be one point ahead. So there's that. Um but the Dallas Stars control their own destiny despite still having one game to play with the Preds. The Stars have a much easier season-ending schedule than the Predators do. They've got Detroit, and Detroit really needs to help. It's like, hey, guys, can can we get a little help? Um, <laughs> I know we've beaten up on you all year, but we, we, need you, <laughs> we need you now. We need you to come through, yeah. And it would be, yeah, I mean, it would be nice to to have, but uh, – so yesterday, Dallas gets a win over Detroit, but they do play again 6.30 tonight uh, and again on Saturday. So one win would be nice. <laughs> we'll take as many as we can get, though. Uh, Dallas does still have uh, Carolina once, the Lightning three times, and the Panthers once, and they get the Blackhawks as now, well. If I remember history, uh, or hockey history, something like that, us rooting for Detroit, wasn't no. they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> From what I understand, it was that was that's uh, not happening. Yeah, yeah, that was like Yankees rooting for Boston. You uh, know, it was <laughs> hey, hey, sports like politics makes for some strange, strange bedfellows. There we go. Yep. You know, and, and you got to do what you got to do. Yep. I mean, the Preds in Chicago hate each other. I mean, when they when when we put them out of the playoffs, it was like winning the Stanley Cup. We you couldn't tell us nothing. Nothing. You you'd have thought we did win the cup. I mean, that was it. That was enough for us. But well, I know there was a lot of tension between us and Detroit cuz with Saturn coming in, mm-hmm. you had a whole influx of Detroit fans come down here and basically kind of invade uh Bridgestone, Bridgestone yep. and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yep, yep. Nonetheless, this uh, this Preds team has got to find some defense. They've got to find somebody who's willing to help UC and Pekka. And right now, there's not anybody on this team who's good enough to play defense in the NHL. I mean, it's just. This is a, this is partly a John Hines problem. It is a John Hines problem because they're, they're not a, he's not a very good coach. But he's also not been given a lot of Jimmys and Joes either. And so it's also a David Poole problem. Are we looking at new GM, new coach in 2021-22? I think you've got to be looking at new GM. And then well, once you're once you have a new GM, GM you might as well forget you, yeah, that coach yeah, is gonna go exactly. shortly. Yeah. If so. they get a year, they're lucky. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think Hines is on borrowed time one way or the other, even if they don't – even if they go into the season with him, like you said, just because a general manager is going to want his, his guy. guy. So. <sighs> I, I almost don't even and, like and the the reality, yeah, the, <laughs> the reality of it is, you know, the way this team has had to scuffle to get back into a playoff – Potential playoff position. How do you feel about them making a run in the postseason? That's what you I don't. just said. I would rather just not, not make g- the postseason. Because if they do make a run, then you're in trouble. Are you? Yeah. Well, then you end up. I don't think you are in this in this specific situation because I think everybody realizes that. You know, this is if a, they make a run, it's despite in mm-hmm. spite of not not because, because of. of yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I think a run is a bonus, but you still, I think you just got to rip the Band-Aid off. If I'm not going to win the cup and you're not going to win the cup, I'd rather just not play. (laughs) I'd rather just not have – because as a fan, I don't want to get that invested. I don't want to win a series as the four or eight seed and be like, oh, you're telling me there's a chance? Oh, just no. kidding, there's not a chance. <laughs> and I'm like, crap. Now I've done got my hopes up and I've done I've done all this exciting, you know, watching of the hockey and now I'm just empty. It, empty. And I, I'm not here for that. So I'd just rather not make the playoffs. And let's l- let's let's address these problems sooner rather than later. That's me. Well, not making the playoffs make it makes it easier to it make It does that make it easier. Yeah. But I don't think it's hard. <laughs> I, I, it's I, not a hard decision. You're no, right. You're no. not wrong. But yeah. anyway. <sighs> Preds play tomorrow in Chicago. Watch it or don't. <laughs> We've won the series with them for the year, so. No, I think you watch it. Watch just. it because I think we're going to win. Anyway, that's going to do it just pretty much for this show. Want to remind you one more time, uh, one, o- 1 o'clock today, Southern Middle Tennessee Outdoors on WZYX. It'll replay at 5.05 tonight and at 7.05 on Saturday morning. I try to catch it today. <laughs> catch it today. Because um, Saturday morning you're going to be out I'm on ready. the water. Yeah. Or, or you're at least headed that way. So. Yeah. So. Probably not this Saturday. It's going to be raining. It's going to be raining. There you go. That being said, if you missed any part of today's show, sm-tnsports.com, the podcast is there. The Facebook Live is there. You can watch it, listen, follow us on Twitter at sm underscore tn sports. That's going to do it for today's show. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us on KOM and ZYX. For Coach Mike and Maurice Patton, I'm Chris Yao saying have a great day and stay cool, Columbia. Cool